Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Blared Butter, the podcast. I'm Rodrigo Cockton. Rafael Cordero. And today we have a great episode for you. Uh, we also have some big news that just ca- that came out this week. What? And for that, we're going to bring in someone special to us, founder of Blared Butter, Mr. Andrew Tiberius Perucho. Andrew, how's it going? Yo, what up, people? What up? What up? <laughs> Salacious what up? P. Perucho. Salacious B. Perucho. <laughs> Salacious B. Crumb. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> buddy, uh, the reason we're having uh, Andrew on this week is because we had a special surprise for you guys. On April 1st, we released uh, a digital exclusive. Andrew, can you talk a little bit about our digital exclusive issue and how it came together? Yeah, you know, um, we, we've all grown up with this property um, and uh, we all hold it dear. And so it just made sense to come out with this issue. And that issue is the Shrek issue. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, it was, uh, it was one of those things that, like, we were trying to make it happen, but we didn't really know if we could do a full, uh, I guess, issue based on, on the lovable green mm-hmm. ogre. But, uh, we decided to do, I think, a 25 to 30 page, you know, special issue yeah. for April Fools. Yeah. April Fools. No. And it came out on April Fools, but we took it pretty seriously. <laughs> um, we have some good articles yeah. there. Raf, you did a great intro piece that kind of sets the stage for Shrek and, and when it happened. Thanks, We buddy. have uh, an interview with members of the band Smash Mouth about their hit song All Star. We talked to the organizer of a man that created Shrek Fest, which is an amazing thing. There's an article about cats on the internet we did a little nice little fake uh review story about shrek so it's all good stuff there make sure you check it out if you are on patreon if you are one of our patrons you will obviously get this issue for free covered in your patron fees so make sure to check it out um, can we other, sing it guys can we, right, sing we it? cannot copyright issues will oh. over. no they will not i just do not want to <laughs> you, put you know what i'm, I'm, I'm I don't, shut down just as an aside um i'm happy that we've, we've done it and, and i'm happy that you know raf we were able to come full circle with this <laughs> <laughs> because I remember just oh, no. the, the exact day that we actually watched Strike in someone's, you know, yeah. uh, in our family yeah, basement, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I hear you. Just not even it, like understanding what we were about, what what kind of ride we were in for, right? <laughs> like the scene where, like, I guess the animals like get blown up to like balloons. Uh, yeah, that like blew our mind. <laughs> So no, it, was it was like the bird too. Shit. The bird was singing. The bird, yeah. yeah. Oh, the bird. <laughs> <laughs> iconic, iconic trigger, trigger, trigger so, moment. Real man. quick, yeah. before we move on to our pre-show, just uh, give me your favorite character from the Shrek franchise, Ref. Uh, uh, Gingerbread Man. Oh, <laughs> uh, Andrew. Uh, Pinocchio. I'm gonna go with Gingy too. Gingy is an all-star. <laughs> Wait, I love Pinocchio's little voice. Wait a minute. I can't do it. Anymore. We'll have a little bit more on Trek a little later. But first, let's head over yeah. to our pre-show. Um, guys, some big news in terms of this conversation that we've been having for weeks now. HBO, Warner Bros., they have scrapped their same-day release model for 2022. So people were wondering if it was only going to last for the, the time of the pandemic. It seems so right now. They've landed some early deals with Regal Cinemas, which means that it's going to go into theaters for 45 days, at least before releasing on HBO yeah. Max. Raph, what do you think about this? I mean, I, I think it's the best of both worlds in the sense that um, for those who can't wait or don't want to go in the theater because it's not safe or they don't mm-hmm. like spending the money to go in the theater if they already have HBO Max, 45 days is not the end of the world. Maybe they can wait a little bit. Maybe they just have to stay off the internet or, or, 
or you know social media yeah. see what some of their big films that get spoiled um but i think it, i think this is a, a combination of uh you know having that theater experience um uh um, available but also having the exclusivity and also to streaming services so you don't have to wait like a year or so to get the movies that you really wanted to see Mm -hmm. um uh for potentially a cheaper price by doing the streaming service i think it's good um the only negative i can think of is potentially it's only stuck to one cinema chain which is regal Mm -hmm. um i don't think there's any other news about amc or any of the other um, cinemas in the states or even in Canada getting that kind of exclusivity. Yeah. So I think that might be it. Maybe if there's no regal near you, you're out of luck there, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, I we'll know. see. I, I I don't think that just geographically would make sense for this to be a regal exclusive contract. I think maybe they're going to start working their way outwards. So we'll have to pay attention sure. to that. Andrew, let's go to you real quick. Um, I guess I don't know if we chatted about this with you, but can you let me know what you thought about the same day uh, release model first and then what you think about this? Yeah, I mean, I love the cinema. So uh, when I first heard the news that like everything was coming out on HBO Max mm-hmm. the same day, it was just like, okay, this is definitely the end of of uh, cinema of is dead theater cinema. <laughs> and and I also I think I went on like a mini rant about like the arts being dead, right? So um, uh, yeah, I was just like all doom and gloom. So I mean, one month is is uh, it's good that they've kind of backtracked on this, but it's still sort of. That that's sort of like forty five day window is still kind of. I'm not sure if that's enough to make a dent, but I'm sure Christopher Nolan is happy. <laughs> I mean, we're not happy with Christopher Nolan, so I don't care how he feels. Oh, <laughs> that's another that's another Pandora's box, guys. Um, guys, moving on to another piece of news. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's latest film is out. Say record. It. Say it. Record. Say the entire uh, thing. I guess like it, it has the rec- the Guinness World Record for the Oscar nominated film with the longest title, and the full title is Borat's subsequent movie film delivery: A Prodigious Bride to American Regime for Make Benefit Once Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. And if you saw when they were announcing the Oscar nominations, they had to say that title like four times, and it was hilarious. So funny! Oh my gosh. Um. So I guess you know we can have some some fun about uh, some fun about like the the long title but i wanted to more so get your thoughts on what you thought about uh, like a comedy getting quite a bit of oscar love um i know in our comedy episode we discussed a bit about how it's rare to see comedies get a lot of like critical acclaim in terms of awards so this was nice to see for me raf what do you think yeah and i and i maybe it has a little bit of the uh, backing there from kind of its political subplot you know going to Giuliani, mm-hmm. some of the trending topics that we have, like uh, I think one of their songs made the shortlist. I don't know if it was nominated. Wuhan Flu <laughs> was um, an original song that was on the shortlist there too. Mm-hmm. But it's nice to see um, uh, Sasha and, and the team behind Borat being nominated. Also Maria Bakalova, um, uh, who did an outstanding performance as well. Truly. I think it's cool, you know. And, and uh, I, I, I'm going to go into this with my hot take, but I think those type of movies are, you know, the um, I don't want to call it a prank movie, but, um, you know, uh, kind of, you know, um, <laughs> no, but I mean, uh, you know, um, uh, bringing in an, uh, a very awkward situation mm-hmm. to talk about, you know, either the state of the world or a certain context or so- certain situation within a funny, funny way or, you know, cringeworthy way, um, is, uh, uh, very funny. And I think it, 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 it lends a lot to say about, 
you know, you know, humanity and whatnot. Yeah. So, anyway, I'm going on around here, but humanity, anyway, I think it's great. Humanity is ripe for satire at this moment. Is what yeah. you're saying? Oh, there you go, satire. That's the word. There we go. God, uh, Andrew, what about you? First of all, did you see uh, Borat? Uh, sorry, not Borat. Borat's subsequent movie film delivery of prodigious bride to American regime for make benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan. Did you see that movie? <laughs> Thanks, Priyanka. Priyanka <laughs> I haven't. Yeah. No, I haven't. I haven't. Um, I, I actually. But you uh, haven't seen inspired- it. No, I have. Oh. I, I was inspired to Jeez. to pick up the first one because I had Amazon Prime. Well, you haven't seen the, the first, first one either. One, like, oh my god! You know what? And I didn't even make it past ten minutes. Huh? So I'm like, this is not for me. So, oh wow. Yeah, I'm sorry for being a wow. prude, but yeah, it just. I, I I think I tried Bruno. I mean, well, <laughs> you got Bruno uh, first, and I know it's, it's definitely different type of humor. But I will say that Bruno 100%. is a little bit more outrageous. I find than Borat. Borat yeah. is perhaps like. A bit more relatable? A little bit more tentative with where you find your racial comfort in the way that it jokes, whereas, like, Bruno is more, like, explicitly visually challenging, I guess I would say. I just it, I didn't I didn't get any laughs for, from it right so I just kind of gave up on it and 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 how about the the not else, joke so. that's like the funniest part of the movie <laughs> when they when he's he meets like a professional comedian and he's like oh can you tell me about a not joke and he's like your pants are gray not <laughs> <laughs> okay sorry <laughs> Let, let's get back to I it I don't think I made it that far <laughs> by the way uh, Raph I've heard uh, it said before that when you say my wife people always think of, of <laughs> my uh, wife my wife so <laughs> oh, <laughs> good to man. know um, if you did not like the first one if the first one was a little too challenging for you then I think you should stay away from the second one because uh, there is a menstruation related scene in the second one that oh, is perhaps buddy. the best thing that's ever been on screen but also like the most challenging thing I've seen from the Borat is that franchise. Maria's um, Oscar scene or is it the Rudy scene I think it has to be that. I think it has to be that one. Yeah. She has to put that one yeah, forward. That, that, Over the Rudy scene. Wow. Okay. Guys, uh, coming up next in the in the, the news headlines, we have a bit of a sad one. Jessica Walter, uh, beloved actress, passed away at 80. Are you guys familiar with her work? Is there anything in her body of work that stands out? Andrew, let's start with you because I do know that Raph uh, is at least a fan of one thing that I know. So we'll start with yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Um- Right off the top of my head, it's a, it's her role in Arrested Development, right? And um, just and young, and young. I think that's Sorry. I think that's yeah, and young. The, here's a Star Wars, like yeah. um, you know, you know what? It only took one like one episode for me to kind of just like know that this woman was like gonna be a force to be reckoned with because <laughs> the memes um that like people use um with jessica walter it's like it 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 just encapsulates everything that you kind of want yeah. to convey with with a gif right so uh, she she's super talented and and yeah when i when i heard that she passed away um i, I think i broke the news to you guys and you guys were all devastated. yeah oh, absolutely yeah. i think in, it's a huge in terms of celebrity yeah. deaths perhaps one of the mo- the recent ones that has affected me the most um i think often about her delivery yeah. of the line if i wanted something your thumb touched i'd eat the inside of your ear which i think is a brilliant line <laughs> delivered spectacularly by her raf what about you i know you're also a big arrested development fan yeah, I mean, obviously, Andrew already said a couple of things, which is like, go see a Star Wars and young part. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, get me vodka on the rocks uh, with a side of with toast. Because it, it was breakfast. breakfast. It's pizza toast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but <laughs> visually for me, yeah. when she tried to do the wink, the I don't wink. know. She, oh, yeah. Yeah, she, it oh, would be like, wink, yeah. I know you guys can see it because yeah, this is a yeah, podcast. Yeah. But if you guys ever see that scene or um, that, that clip from Arrested Development, it's just hilarious. And I, I think it's a big loss. Um, and she was such a comedic force. 
Was she not nominated for an Emmy? Like that's a, that's a travesty. You know? I don't know. But, um, and not only that, I feel like something that is less discussed is that I don't think she had uh, always a great time filming Arrested Development because I know yeah. like when they were doing the Netflix uh, seasons and Jeffrey they were Tambor. being interviewed. Yeah, Jeffrey Tambor was a bit of an asshole to her, and yeah. I think we kind of moved on from that conversation pretty quick. But if you're not familiar with her work, go check out uh, at, the, at least the first three seasons of Arrested Development, I think, are unquestionably uh, well-received. I'm a Phenomenal. fan of all of it. I, I do agree that the first three are better, but I, there's uh, gems to be enjoyed throughout. So, yeah, go familiarize yourself with her work. Uh, and go see a Star Wars. Go see anyway. a Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, what, what could guys, it cost? Before we, $10? Before we move topics, um, what is uh, your favorite Jessica Walter uh, GIF? It's the wing. For me, it's the okay, little yeah, you already mentioned Mine the wing. is the one where she Rod. says, good for her. And it's it's like in the context <laughs> of the show, she's talking yeah, about yeah. like this pregnant woman that was trying to drown her kid. And she's just like eating her cupcake. And she's like, good for her. And yeah. she's like, yeah. <laughs> what about yours? Um, The door uh, when she's like. The slightly closing. shutting <laughs> the door. Yeah, yeah the slightly <laughs> shutting of the door. Yeah, yeah. I use that way she's, too much. She's times. amazing. Uh, she it, it is truly, <laughs> truly a loss. And uh, uh, something yeah. that I read on Twitter is that she was originally known for her dramatic work. And so for her to have wow. this comedic turn that is like unrivaled in terms of like funny matriarch like out over the top like it's just amazing work so yeah truly impressive very sad that she is no longer with us one last thing before we go to break obi-wan kenobi series cast uh it was released any quick reactions (laughs) um let's go to our safty correspondent raf cordero Uh, yeah what's going on here Yo, my boy, Benny Safdie. I'm a huge fan of the Safdie bros. I've seen all their films. Why just um, one? And, man, I don't know. I, I don't think <laughs> Josh does a Benny. lot. Yeah, I don't think Josh does yeah. a lot of acting, but Benny has been in a couple of films, and he was recently in Pieces of a Woman mm-hmm. with Vanessa Kirby, right? But I, I was telling Rod this. But I'm like, this guy has to be like a droid or something. <laughs> I can't it. picture him as like a rebel soldier or something. Who knows? He could be. Um, uh, he might pull like a General Hux kind of role. But I don't see that happening. <laughs> Andrew, quick thoughts on the Obi Wan Kenobi cast. Um, I love how diverse it is. Um, I love Sung Kang's addition to the Star Wars uh, franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, as if you guys know, uh, Tokyo Drift for me is probably the best. Is he gonna uh, meet Han Solo series? and they're gonna be like, "Hi, I'm Han," and then Han will be and he's like, gonna I'm do Han. the chewing thing. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Like, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> no, but uh, right off the bat, it's <laughs> I love it. Um, I, I think there's definitely uh, a, de- a interesting direction that they can take this uh, franchise because I feel like everyone's been asking yeah. for this, right? Yeah. And uh, the fact that they're able to to bring back a, a lot of the the characters from the prequels, I think. Uh, yeah, well, Joel Edgerton Hayden, and Bonnie. Just, exactly. I, I will say one icing. thing: I was not asking for was the return of Hayden Christensen to the Star Wars. You were not. Ab- you, you don't want him to come back? No. Is he playing he a droid? No, because were. his robotic voice would land perfectly. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. Oh man. Okay, would you pick Hayden or Sam Worthington mm. if, if you could recast Anakin? Because I know you uh, last podcast. Do you think I, Sam I, would do it worse than Hayden? I don't think Sam could do <laughs> yeah. worse than Hayden. To be honest, I there is a movie where Hayden Christensen plays a journalist that was caught lying. Shattered glass. Uh, shattered glass. Like that is perhaps one of the worst movies wow, the I've ever you know seen. That. Um, okay. The only, the only, the, the only positive thing I could say about Hayden Christensen is that he's slightly better than Jake Lloyd, who I think is one of the most abysmal actors in the Star Wars universe. Okay, hey but now. also he hey was now. a kid. Come on. Yeah, and here's the thing: I, I kid actors are not great. This is just a, hot a take. Thing. Hot take. Let's go. For sure. With few yeah. exceptions, so I, I'm not too surprised that Jake wasn't great. You know, no, I, 
they they needed to bring Hayden back because didn't they like retcon him into the Return of the Jedi ghost? But scene? isn't he like isn't he Darth Vader at the end of Clone Wars or am I wrong when he's yelling out no? Wait, Clone Wars? Oh no no no! But when you see the spirit though, remember at the, at the end of Return, Return of the Jedi, they added him as like, like, like the release the blue ghost. Yeah. Oh sorry, yeah, they they retcon oh, him. Wait, where in. is is this yeah. not set in the time between Revenge of the Sith and New Hope? This takes place ten years after the dramatic events of star wars revenge of the sith yeah so anakin is a robot right so it's like you don't really need to bring him in you could do the same thing no, that anakin you... yeah anakin is already darth vader though at yeah he's point. darth vader at the end oh i see what you he mean. got burned up so you don't need to bring him he's not like he's physically like you don't need to show his face That's and is he true. lending his oh, voice i see oh oh yeah you're right okay yeah i don't know because like we we Maybe. already have a good darth of vader voice in james Earl jones i don't know why we need hating listen we love our canadians okay we're not <laughs> gonna we're not gonna slander what if canadians. benny safty take them as, as we can yeah. what if benny safty is darth vader anyway let's stop this let's stop this line <laughs> of thought immediately <laughs> guys with that we're gonna call call an end to the pre-show when we come back we're gonna talk a little bit more about shrek and animated features but first we're gonna go to a quick break Layered Butter is brought to you by Ola Translation, the leading Spanish to English translation agency. Pop quiz, Raph, how do you say layered butter in Spanish? Uh, le layered butter. <laughs> That's probably the French way to say it. Sure. Ah! <laughs> the Hispanic population is one of the fastest growing audiences in North America. So if you want your product to be found, it's time to reach them the right way. And you can do that with the help of Ola Translation. Raph, guess what? What? Layered Butter listeners can get 5% off all services by using our special code, and that code is... Butter! That's right, butter. So go out there and reach your customers in Spanish with the help of Ola Translation. And we're back, guys, in celebration of our Shrek issue that's dedicated to everyone's favorite ogre. Let's peel back the layers on wow. what animation means oh, to us. Wow. Really? Okay, I'm gonna that's start, fine. I'll take I'm it. I'm going to start easy. I'm going to start with an easy question. What is your favorite animated film? Uh, let's start with our guest this week, Andrew Perucho. What's your favorite animated film? Hmm, this one's a tough one. And, um, you know, it used to be used to be a couple of films. So I used to, to hold Lion King near and dear to my heart um, as I grew mm-hmm. up. Duh. But then I just kind of start kept watching it over and over again. And it kind of just killed the vibe for me. So <laughs> I got, got tired so of it. <laughs> I, I, I decided to, you know, be a contrarian and, and chose Beauty and the Beast. But after, uh, you know, my tastes have changed. So now I, I think Sleeping Beauty 1959 is probably, in terms of like my favorite, I think I can... I, I'll never tire of that movie. Just in terms of like how different it looks from your normal uh, Disney movie, uh, just the con, con- like yeah. the, the backgrounds of Ivan Earl, and just just how dark it gets as as like a as a Disney movie. I I think there has never been a villain as as you know uh, as intense and as scary as Maleficent, right? And and just the whole like gothic sort of fairy tale vibe. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love it. And then they came out with Maleficent and completely killed the vibe. So, uh, thanks Disney. Every story <laughs> has two sides or whatever, or there's always <laughs> yes. another side wow. to the story, whatever the tagline was for that movie. Uh, Raph, was, what about yeah. you? What was, what's your favorite animated film? Um, it's definitely going to be in the Disney Renaissance, but for years and years and years, my favorite film, uh, for Disney too, was Mulan. 
I don't know what it was about Mulan, but I think it was the art direction, um, the music and everything when I was younger um, that I really, really loved. Um, and, you know, I, I've ranted about this before, but the remake was just on a different level mm-hmm. <laughs> but wow. I mean, Mul- mulan was M- mulan was and is probably my favorite disney film and animated film um i uh, i do have um a big big um love for little mermaid um aladdin and obviously beauty and the beast but mulan is what i would turn to um for sure and it's uh that is the one of the first films i think i really remember like treasuring when I was younger, yeah. right? Because when I was younger, I'll be like, I like Beauty and the Beast. I like Little Mermaid. That's great. But M- Mulan, I'll be like, I really want to w- watch Mulan again. Mm-hmm. You know, I really enjoyed it. So a lot of it is nostalgia, but is it's beautiful. Yeah, it's not. It's a great film. I think mine is definitely uh, Lion King. Um, I, I'm a big fan of animals. There's a big storyline with, with dads. I was raised by a single dad and uh, just, you know, it, it's obviously based on very strong material. Like it's Shakespearean by design. So there's nothing but good things. Uh, you know, if you get me drunk enough, I will belt out. Uh, I just can't wait to be king at any given time. Huge fan. Can't complain about that that movie. Um, cool. Guys, so- how about Tarzan? Sorry. Okay. Love Tarzan. <laughs> Tarzan. Tarzan is good. Tarzan. I don't think it's as strong as... Phil Collins? I- that soundtrack just oh. you'll be exactly in my heart whatever i think i'll slightly off beat which is i guess a little mm. bit more <laughs> anyway <laughs> <laughs> oh before you know what you, you mentioned tarzan i have to do uh uh an aside oh, here what? um <laughs> <laughs> what was that an, an aside okay when on, i was on. 12 or whenever this movie came out i had the choice between um my mom took me to see a movie and um it was either going to be Tarzan or Austin Powers. And, and <laughs> oh my God. I didn't know what Austin Powers was. So we were super close to picking Austin Powers and we chose Tarzan instead. So you can only imagine. A close what that Andrew would have been, been a like. totally different uh, child at that point. Yeah, because yeah. we were like, Austin Powers? Does he have like, you know, magical powers? powers? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah Tarzan got- is great. That's a good segue into my next question, though. I think most people kind of start the relationship with with animated films as kids. So I guess maybe can you kind of walk me through what your experience was as a kid watching these movies? If you had one, if you didn't, maybe you didn't maybe you didn't uh, see them until older. Andrew, let's start with you. Yeah, I remember uh, being a kid and and just uh, I guess someone in my family was a Disney nut because I always had the Disney VHSs that. Uh, yeah. sadly we're not worth are not worth like 500,000 as like vice would tell you um yeah I, I had like beauty and the beast i had every sort of like disney film imaginable like i remember like just watching fantasia over and over again and just like being scared and like enthralled at the same traumatized time. traumatized and like those and, and that like i feel like those movies like stayed with me in, in a way because they were so deeply moving and affecting yeah um that you know, it, it just kind of uh, stuck. Yeah, those films stuck with me. And uh, that's how I guess my Disney sort of uh, uh, obsession kind of started. Right. And and of course, when I went to America, I would uh, my, my aunt uh, would take me to Disneyland. And, and that was like sort of like what uh, engraved it for me that like Disney was like the the one company that will always uh, have a special place in my heart. Right. So. Mm hmm. 
what about you, Raph? Any parallels there with with your experience? Yeah, I mean, I, I think my relationship with animated film kind of stemmed from TV. I remember watching, like, I grew up in the Philippines, so, like, at 8 p.m., there would be Scooby-Doo, and then at 9, there would be Popeye. Popeyes? Popeye? Popeye? With a spinach? Singular. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm thinking Popeye of the restaurant Popeyes. Yeah. <laughs> the non and, and then Popeye. I remember, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I remember going to bed um, when I was very young. And then the first movie I clearly remember watching in a movie theater was The Little Mermaid. Um, and it was like a field trip or something. And maybe I was like five or four. I don't know. But, um, uh, you know, going back to it, Disney films were the ones... Uh, were the ones were the ones that really um, was ingrained ingrained in my childhood. Very similar to what Andrew said, you know, um, it's what we grew up with, and it's the films that our parents knew and loved because these were stories that they probably knew before too, right? They're adaptations of other stories, mm-hmm. um, and you know, it stuck with us. And not to mention, they're musicals too, or a majority of them are yeah. musicals. So Mostly. it's very easy to um, uh, build that relationship in visuals, but also in through the audio. And then, you know, you relate that to your childhood growing up. I remember watching uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame um, and um, when Frollo shows up and the music started b- building and everything. That thing was scary, man. Like, I mean, it's traumatizing yeah. a child. There's and some then, scenes in that movie that are just, wow, I can't believe. Yeah, yeah. and I remember because I, I watched a Hunchback like in a theater or something or at home, whatnot. And then I remember my parents and I went to Ikea and then uh, in Ikea, there's this little play place where you get to hang out while the parents go, you know, shop. Me and my brother Franco were there. And I remember seeing Hunchback of Notre Dame there being um, played in front of the kids. And I was like, I knew what was going to happen. I, I, and I think mentally, some of these kids had no idea what was going on. But it's a really dark movie. But anyway, that, yeah. those are kind of my tidbits from my childhood. I think to me, Great. when Great. I think about like childhood and, and watching these Disney movies, what comes to mind is kind of this uh, similar arc that they all have where it's like very emotional and there's always like this one moment that is just like very, very sad and often dealing with the concept like death. And I remember uh, every year seeing one of these and knowing that this was going to happen at some point and feeling very emotional about watching these scenes to the point where I felt like I wanted to cry. And as a kid, I felt a lot more ashamed about the concept of crying. So I would try my best to like swallow and like hold in like this tears and feeling like it was the loudest gulp or like, you know, like everybody was dead silent and they could hear me trying to fight back this inherent sad. And I think I'm imagining that this is a similar experience to other people around the world. Like, I do think it's interesting that as a, a movie intended for kids, it has more emotions than just the concept of happiness. Like it deals with a little bit of sadness. It deals with a little bit of anger sometimes. And I, I think, I don't know that every message that Disney wanted to put out there landed well, especially looking at it now through today's lens. But I do think the concept of having a more complex conversation with with kids about these things is important and and helped by movies like the Disney animated films that we grew up with. Hey, shout out to uh, Rugrats and Rugrats in Paris. I, I, I remember watching those in theaters. Sorry, I'm in space right now. But, but those films, I remember watching in theaters. And then there was a scene where Chucky looks out the window because Chucky's dad is a single dad. Mm-hmm. And then I think he sees his future mom uh, the in clouds. the clouds. Yeah. yeah, 
Damn. Anyway, Damn. Uh, that was an aside. Yeah. No, that's fair. <laughs> I think it's interesting, right? That it's like, I don't ever recall necessarily having a conversation with death about death with my dad, but I do remember watching yeah. movies that had death because of Disney and like understanding that it was meant to feel sad that you were meant to feel sad, but that you could, I guess, kind of grow from that moment and still find meaning beyond that. I'm specifically talking about The Lion King, I guess. And I know that it wasn't just me. I remember also watching, like, when it was 25 years or something that this movie came out. It yeah. went back to theaters. We went, I went to see it. And the kid, in, the kid in front of me asked during that moment, it's like, Mom, why isn't the dad moving? And why isn't the lion moving? And it was like Mufasa just getting trampled. And so, I don't know. It's, inter- it's interesting to me. You bring up to, a good point. Yeah. It, it, to present Disney those. Basically, yeah. Disney basically kind of um, brings these concepts uh, to, to kids. And it's up to whether or not the parents want to engage in that, right? Because, yeah, this is probably the first time that that kid probably saw Mm-hmm. Someone, something dark or something you know. or, or yeah like the concept of death right and and it, it, in a way disney kind of just uh engages or, or enables that conversation to happen and it's a powerful thing because that 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 basically is fueled by cinema right it like uh to to be human is 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 to to feel right so it, cinema gets that out of people and uh, it's whether or not uh how you interact with it so to be Damn, we just, we to just feel. Look at that, bruh. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And, and I think that's what a good movie does, right? It makes you feel. It makes you think. Um, when mm-hmm. talking about Disney and especially the movies that came out around the time that we were kids, it's hard not to acknowledge that there was this Renaissance era where it seemed like Disney could do mm-hmm. no wrong. And it's like even now, it has a reputation of being a solid block of movies that were very successful. So, what do you think it was about these movies that was working that wasn't necessarily maybe working before or after? Like, what's special about these movies, Raf? Man, I don't know. I, I think whenever I look back at the obviously I was born in the nineties, but when I look back at those like range of films and you know they coined it the Disney Renaissance, I find that a lot of those films were obviously they're not really original stories. They're all taken from well known um, uh, whether it's uh, short stories, myths, or kind of uh, folk tales, right? That they brought to life. But I, for me, I, I look back at that amazing animation the visuals the hand-drawn um uh art and the um i don't know the stories had this this huge feeling of awe right it was very awe-inspiring and even some of the scenes like when uh aladdin when the giant tiger rises from the sand right i remember seeing that and being like holy crap this is amazing right um and even when they get to a whole new world there were i think it opened um the eyes and the ears of many cinema goers across the world, because we never had something like this in terms of a film that would uh, engage you so um, powerfully through uh, film and its animation, but also its audio uh, and its music and its mm-hmm. soundtrack. So I, I don't know. I, I, I think they did a lot of things right. in that, and that 1989, what 2001 run, right. Yeah. And nothing could touch them. Right. So, Andrew. And, and, and you know what? I, uh, I, I mentioned this in the in the issue, but um, I think with a lot of the studios seeing that stu- um, Disney Disney's success with the Disney Renaissance, I <laughs> I think that's when they started looking at an opportunity to kind of combat it because nothing could touch Disney, 
right? And then that goes towards DreamWorks, creating the DreamWorks animated studio. Then, you know, we get Prince of Egypt and all that kind of stuff, try mm-hmm. to dethrone Disney, but, you know, to no avail. But anyway. a- Andrew, uh, what about you? What do you think about the Disney renaissance? What, what, what about these movies really worked or resonated? Yeah, I think I agree with, with um, Raph here where the visuals were just kind of um, next level, right? They were, at this time, it was Disney firing on all cylinders. But um, for me, I think you got to give shout outs to uh, a man by the name of Howard Ashman. I think what he did with with the films that he worked on um, specifically, I believe it's Beauty and the Beast or Little Mermaid. And then a little bit of Aladdin, but I think he passed away before that movie came out. The wordplay of this man was just second to none. And, and, and when you think about those films, you don't really think about the stories as much. You think mm-hmm. about the iconic songs, right? So, like, the wordplay on Be Our Guest is just, if you guys really just, like, break it down, like, that, it, that is just such a, a treat to, to listen to, as well as under the sea and it was like quick hitting uh-huh. and it was like snappy and it was like catchy uh, a whole clever wordplay too right yeah yeah and and so his collaboration with alan menken i think kind of really grounded these movies and then just kind of catapulted them in in, in this sort of realm where everyone was just kind of singing them and 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 when you go to the disney parks these are the songs that you, you listen that, that, that yeah. play every single like minute right because that mm-hmm. is the one when you think of disney it's like the songs yeah and uh he, he was kind of the one that um, because the direction that, that I think they were given with these films was to make them more like musicals. Right. And so uh, he, I think we got to give him the props uh, there. So he and did you know a what? Sure. wonderful job. Quick, I just wanted to call out that um, he died way too early. He died at the age of yeah. 40 and he died of illness wow. related to HIV AIDS. Right. And I just think that even now it's not necessarily something that, that is often discussed, like what a huge loss of how many people we had because of that. And there's so much new stuff out there. So, you know, make sure you inform yourself of something. I know it's not related to Disney, but just on top talking about Ashman, like, I think it's hard not to acknowledge that how, like, he he died at 40. That's way too early. And he was such a talented, talented person. And, you know, we just need to do more regarding uh, HIV. I wanted to bring up, because if anyone gets a chance to go visit Disneyland or Disney World, they have this um, little attraction there called Mickey's Filler Magic. Which is essentially a 4D ride um, where you kind of just watch, um, you get transported through all the Disney Renaissance films. But I remember going on this ride maybe three times in one day, like in a span of like 25 minutes. Because it made me ball like a baby. Um, the music is so powerful. And just to see Donald Duck travel from Fantasia to Beauty, uh, Beauty and the Beast to Aladdin, right? It's amazing. And um, that's where a lot of I think a lot of the 90s kids um, root their nostalgia to and, because how powerful the music is. Yeah. But anyway, another aside. This entire episode is filled with asides. Prucho started. <laughs> um, to back, back to the original question, though, I do think that you guys are onto something. I think it was like a perfect storm, a perfect mix of like the music that was kind of really hitting it out of the park. I think it was the animation that was kind of leaps and bounds better than what they had been able to do previously. But I think another important part of that was more complexity in the writing. Like, like if you look back to your like your Snow Whites, your Sleeping Beauties, there's a lot less great characters. Like there's you know mm-hmm. good guys and bad guys, and it follows more of a hero's journey arc, a lot yeah. more straightforward. 
I think in the Disney Renaissance, you start seeing a lot more great characters, right? Like Simba making a catastrophic mistake, but still being able to fix it in the end. You know, Aladdin yeah, being a thief in the beginning, like having difficulties that he needs to overcome. Like there was a lot more work put into the writing, which I think was also what elevated it a lot. So that's kind of what, what I what I think. Um, moving away from Disney for a little bit, you know, Disney is obviously not the only name in the game when it comes to animation. So what other uh, features come to mind? Um, Andrew, what about you? What What other animated features outside of the Disney world do you think of? Uh, outside of Disney World, uh, Land Before Time, and I think it was by Universal. That was just that hit me yeah. really hard because I love real big little foot fan, little foot, yeah, Star, Star Tree, whatever. A that, Sarah Star Stan, Petrie, whatever that thing, Peach, yo, Petrie, <laughs> whatever oh. that thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just saying Star, whatever the Star Fruit or whatever he was like trying to get yeah, yeah, yeah. in the way that. Oh, okay, nostalgia running through my veins right now um okay so this was the perfect film um for me growing up because i love dinosaurs i love like mighty morphin power rangers and 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 just seeing like uh i guess these dinosaurs just kind of like come to life before jurassic park was like yeah yeah uh was was like amazing to me but -hmm. it also like hit on like another like it almost impacted me like lion king when the uh uh, Littlefoot's uh, mom died like that hit me like a ton of bricks because yeah. there's that one scene where he's looking for his mom and it's like uh, it ends up being being like a like a mountain or like a, a just like a, a rock and mm-hmm. he's just sobbing his eyes out so yeah like of course all these uh, I go back to all these movies that traumatized me as a kid and, and that yeah. was uh, uh, another one that that, uh, that, uh, that I, uh, I remember and of course yeah. uh because doing Ghibli last month, I, I yeah. decided to, you know, watch all the movies. And, you know, shame on me for, like, uh, thinking sleeping that, on those. like, Disney... Sleeping on Ghibli because, like, I thought, like... You know, of course, like, as I mentioned, like, I, I, I swore... I, I, I swore by Disney growing mm-hmm. up. And, um, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I was just... After seeing all these Ghibli movies, I, I was just, like, enthralled. And, and I could not believe that I, I, I went almost 30, 30, 32 years of my life not having seen one right because I, I just thought it, it was just too hard to comprehend but um yeah they're great movies for they're, sure there's just so much layers um if we're talking layers um oh gosh uh, like an onion. so like an much layers and it's not like a hero's journey like it very much is but like there's a lot of it, it's a lot more intricate and and yeah. there's a lot more agency and and, 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 yeah. and the journey is is not from a to b it's very much like all over the place and, and but it's it's great yeah i mean you can tell that it's informed by a different way of thinking right like it's not like we are accustomed to something and it kind of challenges that paradigm that we have raf what about you what are some other uh animated features that you think of outside of the disney world thinking of um it's funny because while you guys were talking i was like oh yeah i remember the brave little toaster because that was traumatizing oh yeah then i realized that is owned by disney i didn't even know oh is it yeah yeah they own it um, uh, which was insane to me, so I didn't realize. What's that. the but, traumatizing you know, scene in that in that movie, buddy? I, I there was something it. with a lamp. They get left like, behind, yeah. first of all, don't they? Like it's like they're, yeah. they're they're voyaging because they were left behind. I think I was the traumatized because yeah, behind. one of the appliances yeah. were like a lamp, okay. and they kept turning on and off. I'm like, it's dead, it's alive, it's dead, it's alive. <laughs> <laughs> so Toy Story but, before Toy Story. Yeah, man. Like I, I think the Brave Little Toaster was one that mm-hmm. really um, 
I, I remember watching. Yeah. Obviously, um, All Dogs Go to Heaven and uh, Balto and those kind of films. But yeah. how about The Prince of Egypt? Yeah. Like, I mean, oh, I, I know we're, we're segueing into like DreamWorks because some Epic. of the DreamWorks films yeah. were really, really good. And wait, is Emperor's New Groove Pixar? Oh, God. I'm now no, that's Disney. Uh, Disney. <laughs> Yeah. Throw me off a cliff. Really? Yeah. Oh, Disney owns everything. Um, but Ants, I remember watching Ants, um, uh, which is their version of uh, uh, Bug's Life, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, a little bit more adult. And they were kind of funny looking, too. <laughs> Ants, it was like scary to me. Um, but yeah, um, uh, Brave Little Toaster. Um, and I think Prince, Prince of Egypt. Was yeah, can you wax poetic about Prince of Egypt? Because I can. I, I think Prince <laughs> okay. of Egypt is okay. perhaps yeah. the best non-Disney animated film there is. I think Deliver Us is like a top-tier song. The fact that it involved <laughs> Hans Zimmer in, in the, the scoring yeah, of man. this movie. That it's, poster, guys. Mariah that poster. Carey. The poster. Uh, My only, I guess, complaint is because I was raised, I guess, Christian. Like, I know that there's more context to the story before and after. So when I watch it, it feels incomplete to me. Gotcha, it's like, yeah. I want to know, like, I want to continue the story that I know, but that was always my thing. But it's like, I think that movie is phenomenal. I think like the, yeah. the racing around uh, Egypt is, is yeah. looks great. Like the building, the pyramids in the Dude, beginning the during plagues. deliver us. Like, yeah, the plague yeah. song with the plagues. Oh mm-hmm. my God. And Ramsey's how, how scary was Ramsey's. Yeah. It was such a, was it Ralph Fiennes? Who was yeah, man, uh, okay. it was him and Val Kilmer yeah. playing Moses, your girl, Michelle, yeah. Pfeiffer is in the the cast no. too. Yeah, really? you're right. Yeah, it's yeah. the way it's uh, Moses' wife. Yeah, yeah. 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 Sephora, See, I stand this movie I guess. so hard. Sephora. I stand yeah. this movie so hard. No, it, it's so a great hard. movie. I think that one sends out, and also, of course, the Man of the Hour Shrek. I think is also like a. I, I would <laughs> yeah. say underrated, but I think it is rated well appropriately. Right? It's like yeah. people. Yeah. Like and I think a lot of the credit of Shrek is should go to Mike Myers, who is hilarious, yeah. and the choice of making the ogre slightly, I guess, is he Scottish? It is just like absolutely <laughs> I, inspired. Yeah, Scottish accent. I can't imagine Don't it any. <laughs> I can't imagine it any other way. <laughs> I mean, just like I, I think also it's one of the the first movies that stood out to me in terms of voice acting. Like I don't yeah. think. Like if you think like a movie like Lion King, like I don't know, I don't know that Matthew Broderick to me is as oh, namey yeah, as like Eddie Murphy or like you know like mm-hmm. Mike Myers or Cameron Diaz, right? Like or uh, Sarah Gilbert, I think is is that the the Melissa something Melissa Gilbert the the whoever plays Nala, like that's kind of almost like an unknown person, right? So it's like I think that also kind of yeah, see, I didn't even know. I'm sorry. It's I, I I know her face. It's like the mom from One Tree Hill, but I don't remember her name. It's oh. like one variation of the names that I've said. Anyways, but it's yeah. like I think they kind of changed that line of thinking into yeah, like casting sure. some some big names to bring big people names, in. Yeah. But like good voice actors, right? Like nice, distinguishable voices. So I think that was excellent too. Yeah. So those are kind of some of the ones that stand out for me. Um, I want to talk about something that may be a bit hashtag controversial yet brave. Uh, I want to talk about about the transition that many animation studios have been doing from hand-drawn animation to kind of digital uh, rendering animation. Um, Andrew, I know you have a lot of thoughts on this, and I think uh, they're going to land a little bit more negative than where I am. So I want to start with you, and then we can kind of go take the conversation from there. How do you feel about, I guess, kind of this distancing from hand-drawn animation? Um. Yeah, this is a lot to unpack here, so I'm going to do my best in under two minutes. Um, You know, growing up, uh, uh, obviously, I would prefer the Disney that does, you know, 
and drawn animation. And and just because I think that's where most of their quality work has stemmed from. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to say that, you know, uh, it's easy to use the technology as a scapegoat as, as them being lazy and, 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 you know, being out of, uh, out of uh, touch with their, I guess, uh, their roots. But uh, yeah, I, I just think because how fast they're churning out these movies uh, with the tech, they're not spending it nearly enough time developing these stories um, to a point where, you know, it, it was more risky, like with a movie like Be- uh, Beauty and the Beast, where a lot of money was being poured into not only the animation, but also like everything else around it. Right. But with the tech, I, 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 with the Disney movies nowadays, I, I think they're just churning it out as much as, as possible without really... Um, you know the stories they're 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 great but i don't think you know they're as memorable as 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 the as the older animated titles i, I think they're 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 there's something that gets lost in translation there um i don't know maybe they're just following the almighty dollar right and and there really isn't someone like walt or or a visionary there that is like you know uh but would t- you say your preference to old school style is because you grew up watching the old school style stuff I think so, and and I'm trying yeah. to approach it in like an even keel way. But I think mm-hmm. they're they're just like seeing how Ghibli, uh, I guess, operates and how their films are. I, I think there is no reason why Disney can't be the same. Like, yeah, like I, I think with Miyazaki's ideals, he's not coming out with a movie because you know he he wants to get as much money and and capital uh his ideals are are very much like rooted in like i need to tell a story uh let's do the story right first and then the animation and everything else will follow after i i I just think that disney now is known for when you think of disney you think of like lucasfilm you think of star wars you think of marvel like they're they are not priding themselves in 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 their animated i guess like Ah man, it's a monopoly of a company. Yeah, and, and and I don't know. Maybe they don't. I don't know. Maybe their just ideals have changed, right? But uh, I might be clouded in nostalgia too. But I just feel like if you were to do like a Super Smash Brothers competition and you do like the lineup of like the old Disney Renaissance with like uh, I guess like the Tangled and the Frozen's, like I feel like I'd still lean to more of the Renaissance. Uh, the renaissance yeah. but i don't know maybe i'm just you know uh, an old guy that's like you know yelling at the clouds i think I so. no, man, I i'm think, with you I'm i think you. that's kind of true because i would say to the point where you're saying with frozen i think frozen moana tangled like they're resonating with the young audience in the same way that other movies resonated with you i would say also the story like the the written story of it is is dealing with the same complexities there i mean i think specifically about the animation mm-hmm. It's like, I guess the difference in our opinions here comes more so from I never think that they were not money driven. You know, like, I don't think that they were ever like more romantic about their ideals than they are now. Mm -hmm. I just think that there's still probably uh, artists in different fields that it's like, I, I think there are people out there that are very proud of the artistry that they're able to achieve with this kind of like new 3D rendering that they were not able yeah. to achieve in like a hand-drawn style, right? Like, I know people talk about this a lot. It's like, oh, do you see how good the water is? Or can you see how good the fur is? And it's like, even when you're talking about video games, like these are features that really stand out to people, right? And I think for the people that are creating this behind the scenes, they are probably just as proud of the work that they're able to do digitally than they... than 
previously hand-drawn animators would have been there, right? So I think it is fair. I think there's a little bit of sadness in us to see a, a, a trend of our youth become a little Change. bit obsolete. But yeah. it, I, I don't... I don't, I don't like again, it's kind of similar to our concept last week with the, the remakes. And it's like, I don't think they're inherently lazy. Like, I think they, there's a lot of lazy movies out there, but there mm-hmm. isn't necessarily a reason for it to be lazier, right? Um, I do again, it's like uh, if you, if I look at my nieces and the way that they react to a tangled, a frozen, a Moana, like they're watching it with the same fervor, the same passion and getting the same type of messages that we did when we were watching like Beauty and the Beast, The Lion King. So I think maybe there's something lost in translation for us, for older people, but there isn't something lost in translation for them. Uh, Raf, yeah. where do you land on this conversation? No, 100%. I, I'm, I'm with both of you. I think that um, a lot of it is built on the nostalgia. But yeah, maybe there is some loss in translation between now and then. I, I, I think it'll be interesting to talk to someone who grew up in this generation, right, in terms of um, the new... Um, new batch of films uh, mm-hmm. and the new style of of animation. You know, let's say someone who who's more exposed to Leica, like the production company who does Kubo and the Two Strings. Yeah. Um, Box Trolls, Paranorman. Uh, exactly, right? Those guys um, uh, versus uh, maybe the Disney Renaissance or even versus um, the new computer-generated stuff as of today, mm-hmm. right? I think, I, I want, I, I think it'll be interesting to know which one do they prefer, um, uh, my gut is telling me they're still going to stick with the Renaissance because of how the music is. But I, again, I, I could be wrong and, and, um, I'm just a nineties kid. Just I, I, I don't think a lot of them are even seeing like a lot of yeah. the Renaissance no, stuff, yeah, I was right? Say, I, no, they're, in, they're not going up with it. Right. Yeah. So they're watching a lot of new stuff. Maybe their parents just don't show them. Uh, that stuff. Um, <laughs> well, it's like, did your parents go back and show you Snow White or whatever, right? Like they just yeah, man. Like, I, my mom bought the Snow yeah, White I DVD. I remember. DVD. Well, yeah, I would say, the, okay, but, but more so the average kid, I feel like, of our yeah. age was just Damn. watching what was contemporary to that <laughs> moment, sure. right? Sure. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. kind of true of where kids are today, too. I think... Like one thing of, of the new really, really live action digital remakes that I feel like is completely absent and confusing to me is the lack of the musical element that we were talking about in the Renaissance, which has carried through to many of their yeah. kind of digital. Like if you look at Moana, Frozen, Tangled, they have strong musical There's elements to spirit. it, right? Yeah. And it's like, and then you look at like the, like the, the new Mulan that they did and it's like completely absent. And that's kind of weird. That strikes me as odd that they want to step away from that or even raya and the the dragon that we saw recently was that disney or was that um that's disney. pixar it's disney. so it's that disney. one has no musical moment and that strikes me as really odd because i don't understand what the benefit would be from stepping away from that right yeah so you know some things to adapt to i think at the end of the day one last Guys, sorry, I, I wanted to mention. Oh my! God, Go ahead. You and your asides. To this no, you know what? Because I keep googling while we're talking. <laughs> Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> Yo, Advent Children though is. Yo, legit let's talk about Advent fire. Children, Bruh. Again, nostalgia because we grew up with Final yeah, Fantasy, so it's nice to see all that on, on screen. Yeah. But um, uh, I remember when Spirits Within came out, and I was such a big hype beast. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, Final Pokemon Fantasy, the first Final movie. Fantasy. Pokemon the but first no, movie. but this is the part about Final Fantasy. <laughs> I was like, the, you know, there's going to be Final Fantasy. There's going to be Chocobos and all the fantasy stuff. It's yeah. a freaking like science fiction, weird alien movie. And my parents were like, what is this? Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> so wait, you took your, par- your parents took you. <laughs> no, to I asked my this? parents to get it for me and we rented it. 
from oh, like okay. um, blockbuster. Uh, blockbuster or something. Oh, wow. But I wasn't. Yeah, it's completely. It's not based on the game, right? Like no, man. It, it's based on. It's like a Alien, almost that. like a Ridley Scott sort of God, like I was, science fiction vibe. I don't know. I was I in know. space. I Still am. It, but but anyway. Okay. No more asides. <laughs> I, I'm done. I haven't seen it. I can't comment on, don't, don't. on that one. Um, I, an, another really important question I want to ask. Do you guys feel that animated movies today are hitting you in the same way that they hit when you were young? And if not, do you think something has changed in animation or something has changed in you? Andrew. Damn. Um, yeah, I, I think... I think uh, I've I've grown like jaded as I've as I've grown grown up and uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. maybe yeah like to your point last last uh, last question it was like um, your nieces are seeing these movies um, and just being uh, exposed to to you know a, a lot of these movies and just kind of taking it as they go right whereas I know for me when I'm watching these movies I know that's not real life that's not how life usually works out and mm-hmm. I'm taking a lot of that with a grain of salt so uh, as much as you know I'd like to you know enjoy myself I, I there is that there is that I guess like uh, part of me that like always takes a step back and like wait um, that wouldn't have happened and so of course like the, the whole I kind of like look at the story with like a like a lens and and then that kind of affects my viewing experience and of course I because I watch these movies I uh, all the Disney movies I tend to compare them and that's not um, fair of course so yeah I, I think um, that's, I, I think uh, yeah it's definitely easy to uh, be jaded um, and watching these movies and um yeah, I think it'll affect your experience for sure. Raph, what about you? Yeah, man. I, I you know there are some movies that still hit me, and I, I think of the simple films like uh, it's a short film, but Disney's Paperman, right? Mm-hmm. Something as simple like that, I, I got me. But also, I'm a sentimental fool, so whenever I see something like that, I'm already like crying like a baby. Yeah. Um. Uh. But um. You know, I, I think I miss. I think I remember watching the Frozen. The Frozen, the, the first Frozen, Frozen movie um, in theaters. And I was thinking, okay, this will be, you know, just a regular run of the mill um, um, Disney film that's coming out. And then when the first sequence came on, it gave me a lot of vibes of the old Lion King and the old Disney Renaissance because of the implementation of the music mm-hmm. and how powerful it was um, uh, mixed with the images and the storyline. And when, um, you want to build a snowman came on sorry i'm in a different universe yeah crying yeah, um, yeah. but yeah as i got older i i think um um uh, it's still hitting me as it was when i was a kid but maybe in a more emotional level mm-hmm. whereas when i was a kid i was like wow this is great yeah um but now it's like you know my heart strength yeah i think um like to me the main difference uh, of how i view it now versus how i viewed it as a kid is i was able to let go a lot more as a kid like i think i saw something and i just took it for what it was in that moment and now as an adult i'm always like well what's the writing like what are the directing choices that that are happening here and i think that leads you to a better like understanding of how a film is made i don't know that it leads you to a better enjoyment of a movie like Mm -hmm. i think if you're able to kind of shut off your brain and just let go and let your emotions take over that's always going to be the best way to view a movie and it's just become a lot more difficult as i've grown older to do that um one last thing before we wrap up our main feature assuming 
that Willy Wonka type contest happened for Disney. And so you won the golden ticket and you were able to take control of Walt Disney Studios. What's the first thing that you would do as the person in charge of animation, Andrew? Oh, man. This is interesting. Come on. Come on, buddy. Space Jam in traditional. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and maybe just take a little bit of uh, the money coming from the Marvel uh, cinema- coming in into pocket. the Marvel Cinematic Universe, taking a little bit of that, putting that in my pocket, and uh, maybe <laughs> making, um, you know, if, Not if the there man are... complaining about animation studios being too capitalistic, and then his first move is taking money and putting it into his pocket. <laughs> listen, listen. <laughs> Did Charlie not take a little bit of the fizzy lifting drinks and uh, the... Uh, <laughs> With Grandpa Joe, yo, don't shout get me out to Grandpa, Joe, Grandpa Joe, who was like, yeah, no, not able yo, to walk and do out, any work for yo. all his life, and yet the minute that Charlie has a, Char- the minute that Charlie has a, a golden ticket, this man starts walking and wandering around. No, thank you, Grandpa, Grandpa Joe. Grandpa Joe has a subreddit. Yeah, what? He has a subreddit. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I think Grand. There's a subreddit. Uh, Grandpa Joe is a is an asshole or something like that. Yo, shout out! <laughs> and then it's like super like popular. So a lot of people oh, have been wow. posting Grandpa Joe memes. So what is your move as in charge of the? Andrew's a mod. Okay, the move here is to quadruple the hand drawn anime animators budget. I just just you know what? stop making star wars movies okay i i need more uh hand-drawn goodness from from disney okay it could mm-hmm. fail like princess and the frog but like you know what like oh yeah over the year like i, I it's it still i think people are starting to get around that but uh, that movie but you know what just you know what the this is the most profitable company or one of the most profitable companies you can take a little bit of you know you can take some risks okay like you know just if if you fail, you still got your Disney Plus, your Disney Cruises, um, your theme park your stuff. Disney like, Cruises, like you're good. Okay, so I'm just saying I need more hand drawn goodness from uh, my Disney. Rap, what about you? What do yeah. you do as a uh, oh, person in charge of Walt I would Disney hire um, Andrew Prucho as my uh, CFO, <laughs> <laughs> and and you as well as my um, uh, CEO. Uh, well, wow. I, uh, okay. <laughs> but anyway, no, I mean, I, I, I think uh, I would kind of lean the same. I would like to go back to, um, you know, the old style of animation and see if they can revitalize another Disney renaissance. But maybe mm-hmm. I, I kind of want to retool their musical department. Okay, would you, uh, would last you cast Lin Manuel Man. No, I, listen. My last hot take you was would, that this guy's overexposed. Yeah. So um, <laughs> the dude needs to go back and write another play after ten years, and I'll, I'll, I'll be happy with that. No, but I, I think um, uh, maybe if they forego a lot of their pop artists that they're doing to do some of the music and go traditional, maybe a bit more Broadway style. I don't know, like Robert, um, Robert, uh, Bobby Lopez, and uh, Kristen Anderson. I think uh, husband and wife team who did Book of Mormon. No, Kristen, Kristen, um, Kristen Lopez. They're married. Um, but also did the Frozen, um, six, Frozen right? Yeah. yeah. yeah um, those guys did an amazing job. And uh, again, that really harkened back to the old Renaissance style of music that I really, really like. So maybe, yeah, maybe just go a little bit deeper into the old stuff in Renaissance. Again, this is all deeply rooted in nostalgia. So um, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if we could do anything different. And uh, maybe invest in a sequel to Final Fantasy Spirits with. <laughs> Okay, I'm kidding, guys. Let's move on. Yo, that is the new mummy. Uh, I think what I would do, Bro, oh, I think I, what I would do is kind of make it a little bit more forward-facing uh-huh. and 
try new stories yeah. without fear of repercussions. Like, I think it's kind of whack that it's 2021 and there's no gay yeah. Disney story. Like, I would do that. I would make a very explicit gay slash lesbian uh, love story for people to, for, you know, queer kids to have the same attachment that many uh, of us had to other projects, right? Like, I, I think if you are as exactly. powerful as yeah. Disney, you have very little to fear except, you know, like uh, uh, making one billion less. Mm-hmm. And st- you know what I mean? Like, it, it's... I wouldn't care. I would make less money for sure. Still profitable. I'm 100% certain of. But try new stories that challenge uh, perceptions in a different way is I think is what Luca I would do. Is going to be that, so that that's movie what, for you? I don't know that it is that, yeah. right? I think people have their hopes that's on it. Movie. I don't think... I, 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 I would oh, be Luca. surprised if they show the level of bravery that it would take for... I, frankly, I was surprised with Raya and The Last Dragon and kind of like the lesbian okay, undertones I, yeah, or I, subtle, I, subtext in that movie. Can I take my thing back? What uh, okay, back? so <laughs> I would probably hire A24 to direct a whole oh, bunch of uh, Disney movies just because, you know, they, they know how to tell they stories. They will the capitalist to dogma, risks. man. No, but I feel like these guys are, are great storytellers um, and uh, they should just, you know, just just go to town <laughs> on the on, on the Disney Empire, uh, their, their rich library. Yeah. Sounds good to me. I think that's what we're going to call it for this week. When we come back, we're going to have the film club and our hot butter takes. But first, we're going to go to another quick break. Raph, do you know know what I'm a big advocate of? Video? Video. Established in 2010, Big Pick Co. has grown from a one-director production house to now working with some of the biggest brands globally. Above all else, Big Pick aims to produce work that is engaging, different, interesting, and essentially not boring. Raph, I think those are four words that I would use to describe you. Engaging, different, interesting, not boring? I love it! Yeah, there we go. You, you know what? Big Pick Co., wanted to make content that people were clicking on because of the way that it was presented. And one of the reasons Big Pig was started was because they felt they could create content that wasn't traditional and therefore provided more value to their customers. So if you want videos, what do you want, Raf? You want Big Pig Co. Let's go! And we're back, guys. Uh, we've been talking a lot about animation. Raph, for Film Club, I'm hoping that this week you can recommend something that is of the animated variety that people may have not seen, that may have fallen off people's radars. The cracks. Do you yeah. Have anything? Um, um, my film this week is going to be the 2001 adventure epic by Walt Disney, Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Um, mm-hmm. uh, this movie was amazing, and I enjoyed every wow, second. that is a way back. Way yeah, back. 2001. But I mean, like this yeah. movie like disappeared. I remember getting the toys mm-hmm. and um, uh, um, watching movie tons of time. But it's essentially an animated film, duh, uh, a bunch of adventurers who um, discover that Atlantis, the the mythical city, is real, um, and they decide to go after it um, and they go go exploring. And they had this entire language created, the Atlanteans, their cool vehicles, and their magic and powers. It was awesome for a Disney film. And it's not your typical, uh, you know, happy-go-lucky film. This is more, you know, it gave me mummy vibes. <laughs> mummy vibes or Indiana Jones vibes. And yeah, there is no episode listen, where the mummy does listen, not escape Listen, um, uh, Michael J. Um, Fox as, um, uh, as the lead character, as Milo is, is Thatch. Is that Disney Renaissance? Yeah. Like how cool yeah. is that name? 
is that Disney Renaissance or no? No, nah, I think it's too uh, late. I don't think so. Part of it? But, really you know, uh, that you bring that up, uh, since you bring that up, there's a style of animation that kind of came out around the 2001-ish where we had Atlantis, where it had that kind of cel-shaded style, and then also Treasure Planet that came out a couple years later, right? Um, that flopped as well. Mm-hmm. All those styles yeah. flopped. But anyway, yeah. my pick is going to be uh, Atlantis, the Lost Empire. Check it out uh, if you want to see something awesome. So, yeah, that's my pick. Cool. That's a great pick. Thanks, buddies. Yeah. On to our last part for the episode. It's time for our hot butter takes. Raf, what's okay, on your mind listen, this week? I watched this movie this weekend, and I, um, I totally forgot it came out, but it's called Bad Trip. And Bad Trip is a prank film like um, Bad Grandpa um, uh, from Jackass, from the Jackass guys. But it stars Eric Andre. And I'm not sure if you guys know who Eric Andre is. Eric Andre is a comedian yeah. um, who does very... Mm-hmm. Um, intense and very weird uh, style of humor in terms of his um, show. He has a talk show called The Eric Andre Show where he brings unsuspecting guests who have no idea who Eric Andre is. And it turns out to be this whack, you know, interview kind of um, style um, thing. And all the guests are like, what the hell am I getting into? But anyway, um, my hot take is um, uh, Eric Andre is kind of portrayed as his biggest asshole and kind of a really big douchebag in, in, um, all of his work because of how insane that his pranks are. Um, but I think this time style of comedy is hilarious. And that's why I wanted to harken back to Borat. Um, these, these kind of hidden camera uh, uh, comedy films or mockumentary style um, uh, uh, comedies are uh, really fun because you get to see the real reactions of people sometimes in most outrageous situations. Right. Um, and the thing with Eric in this film is that he doesn't change his face or his, um, you know, uh, his look at all. It's basically Eric Andre. And since he's like a C-lister, um, no one could tell that that's, you know, Johnny Knoxville or Spike Jones or someone like that, or Bam Margera that, you know, is known for this stuff. But um, yeah, my hot take is, I think some of these prank films are really, really funny um, and they should keep making mm-hmm. more of them. If they have a great premise slash um, team behind it, because it, I'm not talking about the YouTube guys that just like hit people for no reason, right? I'm talking about these... Um, um, you know, these filmmakers and comedians that tend to do something really, really funny um, y- using the most outrageous of situations, especially with, you know, Eric Andre. The first gag with him is that he starts um, fixing a car and then he get, turns completely naked in front of a guy, right? Very funny. Ha, ha, ha. Okay. <laughs> so I, I guess uh, we can check that one out. Still, I, have not seen it, but I'll, I'll I hate my life. Hey. Andrew, uh, let's go to you. What's your hot take for this week? Um, what is up with the latest trend of uh, animated properties uh, being adapted into, uh, I live guess, action. like live action, and 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 they're like butchering the animated style. So like but live action, like Space Jam. Oh, I see. Detective Pikachu. It's like why make the these characters that we all know and love like why why make them like super realistic? Like it, it, they all look terrifying. First of all, and and just seeing the Space Jam sort of like teaser and trailer, I just know that thing is gonna be hot garbage because mm-hmm. Bugs doesn't look like Bugs. I'm not even gonna get to Lola. Like I have no thoughts on Lola. I don't know I'm sure why you had there's thoughts like a on huge, Lola. Okay, know why there's a huge storm on the, <laughs> uh, there's a huge shit storm on that. But mm-hmm. I just want my like if I want to watch Looney Tunes, I want to see the Looney Tunes that I grew up uh, with, right? I don't want to see them like 
with the redesign. I don't know, maybe I'm just being an old man again, but yeah, I just, I'm not a big <laughs> fan of it. Like, I, I feel like the classic uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit worked because, like, you know, it was such a cool visual thing to see cartoons and, and, and uh, I guess, real people or real actors kind of, like, interacting with one another, right? Um, now mm-hmm. it's all just CGI garbage, so I don't know. I'm not a big fan of, of uh, where Hollywood's taking um, that trend, so... There you go. Um, On my end, I have a little something, a little message, I guess, for Disney. Disney is struggling right now because they don't know what to do about Death on the Nile. If you don't know Death on the Nile, it's a movie based on a book featuring the detective Hercule Poirot. I think it's written by Agatha Christie. I might be wrong on that one. That's just off the top of my head. Anyways, they're struggling because uh, it is their main, one of the main stars of this movie is uh, actor slash cannibal Army Hammer and he has a substantial role in this movie so they're having trouble editing him out slash replacing him and also because this movie features so many other stars it's like of the mystery movie genre which has like a lot of people playing bit characters yeah, like where you Clue. suspect that any of them could be the mm-hmm. exactly so they have a lot of other stars attached to this movie they don't want to just kind of you know chuck it and not not throw it into theaters my hot take is that disney should go ahead and put it into theaters and just acknowledge that army hammer has serious allegations and that they're not going to work with him if that's how they feel right I think they need to stop being so worried about being canceled or about backlash. I think the backlash comes from this kind of equivocating, wishy-washy, like, do you care that Army Hammer is a cannibal slash abuser or do you not? Like, I think... If your position is that you do care, say that. Say that, okay, like, obviously, when you filmed this movie, you had no way of knowing that Army Hammer was going to have all this attached to him, right? So, acknowledge that, and then if you truly believe that, don't work with him again, still put out the movie, people will understand that. Like, I think there, the, the lack of conviction and the lack of kind of assertive decision-making is where a lot of companies get in trouble. And a company with, like, Disney that has so much power should be able to make strong uh like unequivocal decisions right and that that is kind of where it throws me for a loop anyways that's all all i had for this week uh guys if people want to find more thoughts uh more of your thoughts where can people find you rafael cordero find me on letterbox j rafael andrew where can people find you instagram and um twitter at hoyt's andrew (laughs) Cool. And you can find me at rcocting uh, all over the social media platforms. That's R-C-O-K-T-I-N-G. Make sure to also check out our magazine, Layered Butter, at layeredbutter.com. You can find us on Twitter at layered underscore butter, on Instagram at layered butter, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash layered butter. Thank you guys for listening. We will catch you next week. Bye. Bye.